Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Team Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, presenter of the DeAndre Swift gift for those with a swift lift up the fantasy gift list, first ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stan Club at BFS with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined for the first time in a long time by all the guys. We have the Duck Father, governor and overseer of the Derrick Henry Rage Manor. DK Metcalf's number one admirer and caster of the double reverse chutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes. Scotty Miller fanboy, mule skinner of the Zachard's decline wagon, head excavator of the Robert Tanyan Canyon, and proud father Quentin Nelson, the tight end whisperer Jordan Smith. And loather of Adam Gase, doubter of John Gruden's Jacob's Handle Stick, lifeguard in training at your neighborhood Chase Claypool, thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, the ginger scruffy man Nick Bodiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Doing swell. Very, very good, Pete. How are you? I am good. I, you know, I put in the time and effort, you guys. Uh, As the host, I really want to present a finished and perfect product to our listeners. And so anytime I go through our intros without too many uh, hiccups or snafus, I just, you know, I uh, like to give myself a pat on the back because my back uh, deserves a pat. And, uh, and I also don't make it easy on myself by writing a lot of these to have rhymes. I don't know why I, I do that to myself, but uh, I succeed sometimes. And for that, I will be commended for. In the I, uh, most of the time, don't remember anybody's nicknames. And like when you were going through this just now, I was like, man, who gets, who got Chase Claypool? Mm. And then me. you were like, oh, it was, it was me. me. Yeah. It was you. Yes, yes, yes. Nick just subtly being like, oh, Chase Claypool, this guy called it. It's all right. I'm about to like roll in my DeAndre Swift uh, take last week. So, you know, it's cool. Let's get to some week seven stats and sits. Uh, before we get into it, I want to quickly, we're not going to talk about them because they're on a bye, but Tua Tungavailoa is taking over the Miami Dolphins. So uh, I'm sure we will dive into that in much more depth next week when we do talk about a Dolphins game. But uh, good for Tua. Sad for Ryan Fitzmagic. Fingers crossed. Let's hope that uh, at the trade deadline, he gets sent to the Dallas Cowboys because Andy Dalton, not uh, not doing it. You know, Fitz, uh, the reports were that Fitz was upset about his uh, subsequent benching. But first of all, he had to know this was coming. Second of all, at least this time, he got to do it kind of gracefully and not like the tragic... Uh, end of a hot streak that just crashes and burns he he left the game when his team was doing pretty well so his stock is still up and somebody's going to pay for his services next year whether that's Miami bringing him back for tutelage or the Jets again the Jets, the Jets so, for the fifth time I am baffled by this move this he's playing like the best football of his life and this gave feels, them no reason. Go ahead. This feels, well, I'm just saying, this feels like a scripted time. That it felt like Miami was like, during the bye, we are going to institute Tua regardless of how things are. Does it, doesn't it? It, it just, it just feels, because I I, you're right. Like, Fitz has been incredible. Like, there's no yeah. reason to bench him. And you would think with the AFC East, that's kind of like, I mean, outside of the Bills, it's it's up for grabs. Like, you know, the AFC is – you. the Dolphins could sneak in there into the playoffs if they wanted to. So it's an interesting decision. Maybe they know – maybe they want to avoid the Fitzmagic, you know, come back to earth so that they can sell him for a second-round pick to the Cowboys. I'm telling you, I'm wanting that to happen. I want to watch Ryan Fitzmagic just chuck bombs all over the field to Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup. 
Yeah, there's a part of me that wonders if the management, if uh, ownership just said, hey, we got this media buzz going with his FaceTiming on the field. Like, let's just do this and try to sell some seats. Because are, are, are they the Florida team that reopened? They fully? are. Yeah, so maybe. Um, or maybe he's just kicking so much ass in practice that they don't have a choice. But I, I was really confused by this move. All right, well, that was instead of talking about the Thursday night game of the Giants versus Philadelphia Eagles. So nothing, nothing to talk about there. So we're just going to move on. It was a joke. It was a joke. You guys, we are going to start with the Eagles uh, facing the giants at home in Philly. This is the first we're going to see of Bart uh, Boston Scott. I always want to say Bart Scott, always Boston Scott uh, with Miles Sanders out. Alshon Jeffrey is also not going to play, uh, which means it could be more Travis Fulgram and full full ham there's a g and an h in there that name also is confuzzling uh anyone in particular that you guys are feeling like needs a an extra shout out in this game because otherwise to me it feels like uh, i wouldn't be relying on any of the people on this team except for maybe darius slayton i do think darius slayton could have a, a good game against the philadelphia secondary that has been wanting for some time now yeah i think you start all the guys that you would normally start Flogum has proven it two weeks in a row. Boston Scott is talented and playing against a terrible team. And uh, as much as Devonte Freeman may be over the hill, he is getting most of the carries. So nothing super exciting and probably not going to be a fun game, but I'm not going to panic to try to get away from it. Yeah. I would say this is a super middling game just because both of these defenses aren't very good, but sometimes they can do some things and I would, probably look at Darius Slayton, um, Travis Fulgham, like you said, is somehow turned into Carson Wentz's most favorite target. And uh, perhaps some Greg Ward Jr., maybe, if you're desperate in a super deep league. And there's just a ton of buys this week. So you might need to stream somebody like that. So uh, if you're hurting at tight end, as everybody is, uh, this is kind of the week that I think we can we can use Evan Ingram. Week one, Logan Thomas uh, caught four four balls, 37 yards, a touchdown. Higby had his insane performance where he scored like all of his fantasy points in week two, uh, five catches, 54 yards, three TDs. Kittle went 15 of 15, 183 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and Nick Boyle caught the, the touchdown last week. So the, the Eagles are playing a special kind of bad coverage uh, <laughs> against tight ends. And, you know, I was somebody who drafted Ingram. I have dropped him since, but uh, if you were in dire straits, he might still be out there in free agency. And I, I like when it comes to tight end, you're just looking for some sort of indicator. And, and the Eagles seem to be given the indication that they are totally fine hemorrhaging points to tight ends. Nick loves my tight end room in one of my leagues. I'm debating between Tyler Higby and Evan Ingram, Nick's favorite tight end prospects. Yeah, it's, it's Ingram, and that's <laughs> not close. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers heading to Tennessee to take on the Titans. And Clark, you are all kinds of hyped because after watching the Texans just throw the ball willy-nilly across this uh, Titans defense, now Pittsburgh is coming in and you get to see this Pittsburgh passing attack go against this Titans uh, uh, floundering secondary. Yeah, the, the Titans and the Texans both treated us to uh, a really obvious showing that neither one of these teams is very good on defense. Uh, David Johnson got into the end zone, and I think anyone who had a number in the high 80s caught a touchdown pass against the Titans. And the Titans did, uh, what, 700 yards from Derrick Henry, I think, alone <laughs> against the Texans. And so uh, both right. of these teams just showed us that they were bad. And the Steelers can uh, run and pass. So I think this is when we dip into guys like James Washington with confidence and just try to get everyone into this game possible. Uh, unlike the Titans' poor defense, the uh, Steelers are actually kind of bringing it. But I think what the Titans do, they are still going to be able to do even against this good team. However, a little bit muted than what we saw last week against the Texans. I still think Derrick Henry is going to get his. I still think A.J. Brown is going to get his. Uh, whoever is playing tight end, speaking of needing some tight end help, uh, Stevie Ferkser, or whatever his name is. Uh, if Johnny Smith isn't going to go, I'm plugging him in this week. So I think we should still get a lot of production out of this game, but uh, maybe not quite as much from the Titans. Yeah, I think this is a good example of uh, like Herms Myers coined uh, defenses don't matter, where basically for fantasy purposes, we just want to target 
high-scoring offenses that are playing each other and kind of just fire everybody up. Uh, so I, I like your take, Clark. It will be an interesting battle, though, because the Pittsburgh defense has allowed only 274 rushing yards to running back so far this season, which is what Derrick Henry ran for last week against the Texans. So it's going to be like, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Big force, a movable object. That's it. Nailed it. Uh, this week to see whether or not I think Derrick, obviously, you're never going to bench Derrick Henry, but this is, I, I would, I would certainly be like, uh, fading him slightly and, and not expecting him to maybe put uh, elite, elite RB1 numbers, but maybe more like back-end RB1 numbers, which still, it's like, what are we complaining about picking at straws? Maybe not a DFS play. Yeah, I think you start all the standard people that you feel should be starting. I would maybe fade Deontay Johnson until he's like proving he's back as a significant part of the offense. I know he's been hurt with the back and concussion and separate games so he I don't know just we just want to see him stay on the field and if Chase Claypool has uh usurped him as a favorite target I feel like Claypool's usurped Juju Smith-Schuster I don't know if you guys saw the news of uh Juju perhaps not getting signed um or not getting picked up again by the Steelers next offseason so um Kind of, I kind of want to wait to see how the Deontay Johnson stuff plays out, even despite how talented he is. Yeah, I have a Chase Claypool wide receiver 15 this week. I really wanted to try to sneak him into as a wide receiver one, but uh, I just didn't know who I was going to bump out for him. And Juju Smith-Schuster, I have way down uh, at wide receiver 33 because Juju, show me something. Show me something that you are the number one wide receiver in Pittsburgh. Uh, let's move on to a, actually, this is, I want your guys's insight on here. This is I'll I'll start us off here for Dallas Cowboys heading to Washington to take on the Washington football team, because after what we saw with Andy Dalton and, and the, the struggling offensive line that the Cowboys have, I am very down on this, on this, uh, Dallas passing game. I have Amari Cooper as my wide receiver, 20 CD lamb, my wide receiver, 28, and I don't even think Michael Gallup was wide receiver 42. And they're going up against a Washington football team, which has allowed the fewest points to wide receivers so far this year in PPR. What are you guys feeling about like how the Cowboy performance that we saw against the Cardinals and going into week seven? Okay. So it looked like Clark had a little smirk going there at the beginning of this. And I'm really curious to know if he has some spicy takes before I say anything. Not, not spicy. So I think, uh, the Cowboys versus Cardinals game was especially bad for the Cowboys. Uh, it was one of those games where the Cowboys did not play well and everything seemed to break against them uh, outside of DeAndre Hopkins, just not being involved outside of two plays. Uh, I do not think that the Cowboys are as bad as the nation saw on Monday night. And we are either at the intersection of a season where Andy Dalton was incredibly rusty and was still getting used to being quarterback, or he has absolutely completely forgotten how to play football. And I'm kind of leaning. He is a bit rusty. I think that he's going to be a bigger drop off from Dak than I expected. Uh, but I still have hope with the Cowboys to be able to move the ball. And especially against a bad team like the Washington football team, I think the Cowboys are going to come out on top and we're going to look a little bit better uh, then two fumbles, like three interceptions, and just like horrible, horrible plays. So I think that there's some room for sneaky point scoring from from Washington here. Uh, the uh, the PFF podcast with with Harditz and Erickson kind of tipped uh, piqued my interest here with I guess Washington running a very uh, play action heavy offense and Dallas being particularly susceptible to play action, and so I'm kind of. Is this the I, I scary, mean, scary Terry week where he's just about to like go off? I think so. Yeah, I think I think that that is the case, and I think that um, that both Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick are also startable. McKissick's target workload is like bulletproof. He's I think he's top ten in in targeted running backs, and I can't stand it because I just want Gibson to have all that work, <laughs> but uh, it's just not happening. So I think in the rankings, I I put. Gibson is like a, a reasonable running back to uh, back end running back to and uh, and McKissick is a high end flex option. I mean, if he's going to get like, you know, six carries and best that in targets, we can start this guy. Uh, as far as the Dallas side of things goes, um, I think the fact that we we're we were talking earlier about 
whether or not the the Cowboys should trade for Fitzpatrick is kind of a testament to to what the Dallas situation is. I'd love to see it. Like that would be fantastic. That would be really fun to watch. Um, I think it's going to be tough for these guys in this game, especially with the Washington. I know the Washington D line is banged up, but it's still pretty strong. And the Cowboys are down, I think, four starting offensive linemen. I think it's going to be tough for guys outside of like Amari Cooper, uh, CD, and Zeke to just be locks or or to be, you know, like Gallup. He scares the hell out of me. Schultz scares the hell out of me now. Yeah, Dalton, he only played one game, but he's like third to last in QBR amongst quarterbacks that actually played this season. That's behind guys like Brian Hoyer and Case Keenum, who also played on Sunday, which is not exactly what you want. Um, Brian Hoyer, who like came into the game against the Chiefs and immediately threw like three backbreaking interceptions. So not great to like have a lower QBR than him. Yeah, and I think that Dallas is just kind of headed on one of those just bad seasons. There's reports of uh, you know locker room discontent and people just when that stuff starts to leak, it could be isolated incidents. It could be. Um, exaggerated but at the same time that's not what you want from uh america's alleged most popular football team and uh andy dalton man he was like the hottest backup qb pickup this offseason people were talking about how good of a move that was and he just he doesn't look good so i wouldn't play him and i would with the exception of zeke just because zeke is the starting running back um I, I would be wary about anybody else on the offense, Amari Cooper, all of them. Yeah. Those, those comments you mentioned, Jordan, from the players where they're saying like the coaches don't coach and they're just bad at their jobs or whatever. I mean, I, I know it's circulating, but McCarthy's thing where he's like, yeah, I didn't actually study any uh, plays. You know, I lied to get the job that, that came back to my mind. And then stories of McCarthy, like getting massages instead of, pregame stuff is like they better elevate Kellen more fast. I was Jordan and Clark are, are reveling in this. Clark like was leading the NFC East. What was Michael Hartford doing at the PFF offices? Was he just hanging out in the parking lot or did he go in? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Mike McCarthy just parks in the PFF parking lot. He's like, there, I did it. Did my time. I've learned analytics. That's all I need to know. I, I hate me like on record but mike mccarthy seems like the little picture next to nepotism that they that they show you of like what's wrong with the nfl (laughs) yeah i think i think that's a fair assessment uh let's move on to a game that just only gets better buffalo bills versus new york jets heading to neoc slash new jersey really and uh nick you might think that there's no one start worthy in this game for the jets but you would beg to differ yeah, and of course, you know, I, I begged to differ a couple hours ago before he showed up with a groin injury on the. Well, he's uh, always injured. Just steer through it, fight through right. the pain. So, Jameson Crowder, uh, I, he's an every week wide receiver too. His target volume, no matter which player is uh, the quarterback, if it's Darnold or like the corpse of Joe Flacco, he's he has only seen double digit targets every week. Should he go? Um, we we need to get him in the lineups. He he thrashed Buffalo in week one, seven catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and Buffalo, they're a, they're a team that just does not prioritize covering uh, the interior. You can take some time to look through their, their box scores, but they've been very friendly to opposing slot receivers. Now that said, if Crowder is not able to go, uh, Braxton Berrios would be a worthy flex start. He's he basically filled in as like a poor man's Crowder uh, workload wise and all that when Crowder was out with the, I think it was a hamstring injury for weeks like two and three. Um, but basically anybody starting in the slot against Buffalo is, is worth a start. I love Jamison Crowder, like with, with my whole heart. I, I have no, I tweeted this earlier this week. I said, I had no analysis for this, but I just want the Packers to call about Jamison Crowder. Like, I don't know how he might fit into the offense. I just want him on like, in a better football situation. Uh, Nick, what you said before about Crowder, no matter who's the quarterback, uh, him getting his targets and his looks is just almost a guarantee. Even back to his Washington days, I was looking at his career game log and 
His rookie season, he had 78 targets, but then the next two seasons, he had 99 and 103 while playing 15 and 16 games. And I, I believe Kirk Cousins was probably his quarterback at that time, but like he, no, Washington was a terrible team, but he was still getting his. So even if you're, you know, New York Jets evasive, I would still count on Jameson Crowder and PPR leagues to just get you double digit points. That just seems what he's capable of doing all the time. Maybe a good game for Zach Moss. That's the Bills. Oh, Clark! I was just Sorry. about to say same thing. Keep going. You're doing yeah. great. Uh, just because Singletary's looked really good, I think he's definitely taken the reins on that gig. And with the Jets, we're starting to be worried about teams playing them because they're going to get crushed so hard that uh, rookie quarterbacks are going to come in and replace people who threw for three touchdowns. Yeah. I think that this could be, we might see a little bit of the Zach Moss goal line back that we were expecting his role to be before he got injured at the start of the season. The Jets are giving up the second most touchdowns to running backs so far this year. So uh, Zach Moss might uh, vulture some TDs this week. All right, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers heading to Nolens to take on the Saints. And this is a game where we're finally going to see Michael Thomas for the first time, but Clark, it's not a great matchup for, for Thomas coming back as the uh, Panthers secondary has been pretty legit this year, allowing the fourth fewest points to wide receivers so far this year. So I don't have any reservations about starting Michael Thomas. I think that the Saints get back into gear and just absolutely crush the Panthers. I would lean away from playing against the New Orleans secondary here. I think Robbie Anderson is still a decent play, but if I've been skirting by with him, instead of uh you know breaking ties against someone else on my bench hard to say like wide receiver 20 25 i might bail on them i really just think the saints are just going to absolutely pummel the panthers despite uh, the panthers playing well against some poor teams yeah to kind of kick back on the the michael thomas play i think you play him if he's healthy and carolina's pass defense has been good but i think we mentioned this before it's like why pass on them when you can run the ball all over them and they're According to Football Outsiders, they're 26th in rush defense. So it's, yeah, you just take what they give you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm not afraid of starting the Panthers passing game, guys. Uh, Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, Saints quarterback, is really struggling this year. I think uh, last week he was up, he had like a perfect <laughs> passer rating allowed. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm cool with with rolling with Robbie Anderson. I, 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 I think his, his usage is just, it keeps him as a wide receiver one. Uh, DJ Moore, let's hope we can get uh, some more of what we had last week. He had a great showing, and I, I hope that they continue to kind of try to scheme the ball into his hands. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm interested in, in Curtis Samuel or Ian Thomas. Those guys are total dust, but uh, n- no, no fear with the other two guys. And, um, and Mike Davis, you know, he's a top 12 option, no-brainer. Yeah, my only fear with, with the Saints' defense, their secondary has allowed – a fair number of touchdowns to wide receivers, but they've allowed the second fewest yards and the fewest receptions. They've allowed only 43 catches uh, through five games to wide receivers so far this year. So it is something I do think that like, I think Robbie Anderson probably has, I'm trying to remember where I had him. I have him as wide receiver 22. So back in wide receiver two uh, this week, which I feel like is, I feel comfortable with that where it's like, he could boom, but I also think that there's a good chance that this, this uh, Panthers offense kind of, could get just completely stymied and and he's worked out of the game cool beer bet he finishes better than the wide receiver 15 accepted cool let's move on green bay packers heading to houston to take on the texans clark what in this game is uh floating your vehicle in the water so i think folks may be a little worried after watching the Packers get just lambasted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was my fault. I pulled the Tampa Bay defense in favor of the Titans defense. So I'll apologize to all those Devontae Adams owners out there. Uh, Green Bay is going to bounce back and absolutely kill it against the Texans. Aaron Jones gets in there. I think maybe uh, talked a lot about running backup running backs going against four teams. The Texans have struggled to stop anything this year. And so I think if you're really desperate during the bye week, Jamal Williams, uh, is going to get you something at least flex worthy this week against the Texans. Um, the Packers have showed their defense is not exactly stout either. And so I think we continue to see Brandon cooks and David Johnson and Will Fuller just crush it. Um, I'm stuck in a league choosing between Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson 
all of the time. And I'm now looking to trade Lamar Jackson. We talked about this a little bit last week. The schedule for the Texans opens up and we're finally starting to see Watson do what we've seen him do in the past now that he's thrown the yoke of Bill O'Brien off. Yeah, you should look for like the deep threats uh, for the Houston Texans to um, be able to still do some things. Um, Darnell Savage didn't practice today, so he's a guy that um, likes to lurk over the top and they only have Adrian Amos back there otherwise. And Preston Smith hasn't played well. Kenny Clark has missed the past couple of games, so the pass rush just hasn't been getting there. And Deshaun Watson should have some time. I think the Texans offensive line is been relatively okay this season Clark you might have to speak more to that but better than last year Um, Jordan I do do like one more note oh Oh, go ahead I was gonna say I do like some some Bob Tanya this week Texans giving up the six most yards passing yards to tight end so far this year I like yeah, and, and we know tight end note for the Texans. Uh, every week that Jordan Aikens is out, Darren Fells is you know yeah. top eight, nine tight end. For some reason, people just continue to leave perhaps one of the biggest men on the field completely wide open, uh, and it's a trend <laughs> now. So might as well lean into it. I also like love how Darren 34. Fells thrives when Aik- when Aikens is off the field, as instead of just being like Darren Fells should just be starting, just uh, throwing it out there. They run a lot of two tight end stuff with Bill O'Brien. That's so they cannibalize each other. They're both talented tight ends. Neither one of them is like George Kittle-esque, but they're both really good, you know, two-way tight ends. And so when they both play, they just kill each other. Yeah. Fantasy-wise, he is what Pete thinks uh, Tyler Higby is. Boom. Roasted. Uh, to the point about it, the, the, the downfield guys. There we go. Thanks, thanks Clark. Uh, the downfield guys, hell yeah. To anybody who was confident enough to keep Brandon Cooks rostered after his goose egg t- uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, bravo, good for you. The the He, he and Fuller are like – I think the you sound so punch. sincere about that. <laughs> yeah, I got a loss because I started him and was like, get the hell out of my life. Uh, he's, of course, bounced back for outstanding performances in the last two weeks. Naturally. So, yeah, uh, stick with him. He uh, that, that duo is, is awesome. And um, Deshaun, I, I didn't even see it, but I guess there was some sort of trade talk about Randall Cobb and, and Watson shut that down. I, I don't know how the Packers are against uh, slot receivers, but he's not going anywhere. So if you're you know in dire straits, he could be an option. If Jair is shadowing anybody, then they're going to have an issue because he's been playing like the best cornerback in the league this year. But Kevin King has been just injured and not good. So whoever whoever is the opposite guy is going to go off. You have to flip a coin, basically. This game also features, before we go, the Oracle's start of the week. here my pick for the week is david johnson because i sense he grew up in a combative relationship with two sisters who taught him to be tough and never get taken down so i get what the oracle grew up in a not very combative relationship with two older sisters i didn't get taught to never let someone take you down but to instead uh just destroy them emotionally over a long period of time oh my god as another person who grew up with two sisters (laughs) i have learned over time that silence and just Mm. begrudging passive aggressiveness is how you get to it I think that Oracle's uh, picked like the one thing that could have been, could not have been more contested here, I guess. Oh, the Oracle. More the Oracle. than 50% of this podcast agrees with, with the Oracle here. Is that what it is? Going, I thought this going was a little bit off the rails here. I, I understand her, her logic or her thought, but the phrasing, phrasing was not great. Let's, Out of control. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's calm the jets there. Uh, Oracle. Anywho's, <laughs> there's, there's your start of the week. David Johnson will be a, uh, a top 12 player this week. Moving on. Cleveland Browns head to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. And Jordan, I 
as someone who is invested in both offenses, am expecting and hoping for a shootout. Is that what I will get? I think you might end up getting a ugly game <laughs> rather than a shootout. Both teams God are damn it. pretty bad defensively, but there's just, I was trying to come up with a compelling case on who to start here, but there are just things I think that are holding back each offense, whether that be uh, just Baker Mayfield on Cleveland side, whether that's hurt ribs or if he's just continuing to struggling, I think they're, uh, their record is not really all that indica- indicative of who they are as a team. Um, Joe Burrow, this is the rematch for them, actually. So uh, last time they played, Joe Burrow threw it 61 times. Um, could be a repeat of that. Um, but the the Bengals' offensive line is just trash. They are, like, bottom three in the league. Miles Garrett has had an incredible uh, pass rush win rate. Even when he's double teamed, he's been really good. Um, so I would be a little bit worried about Joe Burrow getting hit even more than he's already been hit. Um, I'm still kind of riding the AJ Green. I hope you come back a little bit train. Um, I'm going to be riding that for the next two to three years. I'm so <laughs> just going to keep on believing in it. Um, but I, I think Tyler Boyd has just kind of been a consistent um, low end high-end wide receiver two at least scoring like 15 points per game um joe mixon i'm probably fading this week um he had one good game and i'm just kind of not really in until that offensive line can give him something good to run behind all right let's pick some bones so joe burrow has the or excuse me yeah i wish joe burrow uh joe mixon second most carries uh in the nfl he's 11th in targets at the position i don't really see this as a terribly opposing matchup uh so i i'm i dropped my expectations for him a long time ago you know drafted him as a running back one he's a high-end running back too i think i think he can meet that um this week, but the the player that I really wanted to kind of touch on here, Odell Beckham Jr. gave just the most incredible interview uh, earlier this week where he talked about how COVID-19 and he have a mutual respect for each other and he just doesn't think that he's going to get it because COVID-19 doesn't want to go inside of him. That's my wide receiver uh, one right there. That's the guy leading my fantasy team. Right. So in God that bananas interview uh dr edwin porras noticed that he basically just offhandedly mentioned that he is a grade one turf toe injury and it's like yeah, i haven't seen it anywhere other than him you everybody should go give him a, a follow it's at fb injury doc um so what you know turf toe is not something that goes away now it's grade one so i presume that he's going to be able to play but like this is a pretty finicky thing and i think we should all pay attention to it if he's able to put a practice and all that then i'm not i'm not going to worry about it and i think he can take the lid off the the Bengals back end but like we do we have to pay attention to this now i need all three of you to hold me to this do not allow me to draft Odell in 2021. I have drafted him two years in a row thinking that that, that that I will just laugh in everyone's face as Odell puts forward 1300 yards and 12 touchdowns and leads this Bronco Browns offense to, to greatness. I am done with this shit. Look, when the Browns draft 14th overall and draft Trey Lance to be their new quarterback, Oh my God. <laughs> it's going to be the most, most browse things. That's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to somehow move on from Baker this off season. And I'm going to be back on the horse and I'm going to be like, nah, it was all Baker's fault. Odell's ready to go. I'm going to draft him as a wide receiver too. And he's going to be my wide receiver one. And then I'm going to be in this quandary yet again, where Odell puts together like one super hot game. And then just is just tantalizing, but never actually uh, does anything, which is a terrible place to be. Also, the Browns secondary can't stop anything. So I I like uh, I like T I like all the Bengals receivers, but I like T Higgins. I like Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, and I will uh, he. They finally connected last week, so I'll give AJ AJ Green some love. All right, before we go on to more games this week, let's take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, back to week seven starts and sits. Detroit Lions head to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. And I told you last week, DeAndre Swift breakout game. I'm telling you again, fire him up. I added him. I spent whatever, like 20 bucks on my fab to get him uh, in one of my family homegrown leagues. And I am going to start him with confidence against a Atlanta Falcons defense. That is garbage, as we all know. Um, and so I am trusting him to hold on to, to build upon what we saw last week against the Jaguars and might even challenge AP for that starting gig uh, moving forward. He looked really good. It was really unfortunate that he didn't get like any reasonable increase in his like touches or snap count. Uh, he just, he, he, he's the best back there. Hopefully that, that talent wins out. You're fighting against Matt Patricia. And I will win that fight. On the other end, uh, you saw Atlanta kind of get their dead cat bounce after firing their coach. That was completely necessary, but Todd Gurley, you might be considering playing him in a, in a strong RB one positioning, but I'm the only one I'm trusting yet again for Atlanta. I'm going back to the defaults of Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Yeah. I mean, I am counting on Adrian Peterson to continue to suck the life out of Deandre Swift's <laughs> fantasy value and betting against hold on cat. <laughs> Your cat does not approve of, of this message yeah. that you're this putting out. Peterson the Take him out of the box. What's going on, by he the way? He gets hungry and, like, knocks things off of the counter because <laughs> it's a cat. But uh, Patricia loves Peterson. Peterson is the old grizzled veteran. And so I think what we saw last week with just a couple of carries and a touchdown, if you are desperate at running back, it's still worth hanging on to. And, God, against Atlanta, things should look good. DeAndre Swift should be getting the ball constantly. But we know that that's not how Patricia likes to do it. All right, let's move on. Seattle Seahawks head to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And Nick, you are, after Kenyon Drake finally showed us something, very hyped about this Cardinals backfield. Yeah, so uh, this came after I told everybody that Chase Edmonds is the guy and he needs to be added. (laughs) Uh, This is very much the, and you go and totally redeem yourself, uh, Dumb and Dumber scene. So, Drake, he broke up the 69-yard touchdown that just made his box score look way better than it would have otherwise, and good for him. That That's a real thing, and it happened. Um, and now and – There's now, nothing, nothing nicer in a compliment for Nick being like, good for you, good for you. It's a real thing. I guess that and, happened. And it was so frustrating. But because – anyway, now he's, he gets to face the Seattle Seahawks uh, front seven, which is like as bad of a professional front seven as you could ever dream up. Uh, they have to go on by the following week, but then it is Miami and Buffalo and Seattle a friggin' again. And I, I mean, Drake is just, he's set up to continue his rush only like 18, 20, 18 to 20 touch workload uh, in these terrific matches. And if, you know, Edmonds, he had the chance. He did not steal the job. Drake's going to be, I think, a mid to high RB2 uh, for the next however many, yeah, four or five games. Um now, what gets interesting here is that against Seattle, the pace will be pushed. And so I think in, 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 uh, against Seattle and against Buffalo and maybe against Miami, there will be enough passing game work that Chase Edmonds remains flex viable. Last week was obviously one of those matchups that that kind of a thing should have happened against Dallas, against the you know presumed Dallas offense, but the game script didn't work out that way. So... Um, I'm still holding out hope for Chase Edmonds as being a flex option, but as of right now, Kenyon Drake like locked in running back two based on his uh, carry totals and the uh, matchups. It should also be noted 
that uh, week eight, Antonio Brown is off of his suspension and the Seahawks are already letting it leak that they would really like to sign Antonio Brown, which I'm super excited for because I can't wait for Antonio Brown to come into that uh, locker room and somehow, some way destroy the let Russ cook vibe that we've got going and convince Pete Carroll that actually Russ should be throwing the ball 10 times a game and Chris Carson should be carrying it 40 times a game. So can't wait for Antonio Brown to somehow ruin let Russ cook. Let's move on. Jacksonville Jaguars head to Los Angeles to take on the Chadges. And this is a truly incredible matchup for fantasy because it is basically, Nick, fire every single cannon that you have in your repertoire of cannons. Yeah, so I think the one that I'm the, – the, the cannon, as it were, that I'm most excited for, though, is, or maybe not, is, is Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers. So Keenan Allen, he evidently – is still nursing his whatever injury he has back, back injury, spasms. I think. Yeah, back injury. Yeah, uh, he had two weeks or a week, I guess, to to get right. They had their week six by the fact that he was still limited today. I mean, one, it's great that he was limited uh, that he that he got to get out there and practice. But two, the fact that he's not over a back injury is really noteworthy. Uh, back injuries, as Mike Williams knows, they they can linger uh, for weeks and for months. If he is all at all slowed, uh, the Jag defense is just not prepared to handle what Justin Herbert is is bringing to town. And uh, if you have Mike Williams, he needs to be in your lineup. Uh, now, of course, if, if Allen plays, then uh, Williams probably drops from like a wide receiver two to just a flex option. But keep an eye on this because this could be a fruitful situation. Yeah, um, Keenan Allen apparently has back spasms that Anthony Lynn says will be fine which I take that to mean they're gonna take a giant needle and shoot some cortisol into his back and then <laughs> run him out there um, but yeah Mike Williams has been great this season and Jacksonville according to football outsiders is dead last in past defense so I'd fire up Keenan Mike and Hunter Henry if you if you got him I just replaced uh, Ryan Fitzmagic in my lineup with Justin Herbert. So I'm very excited to go from one gunslinger to another gunslinger. I believe we are. So this is Herbert's fourth game. Is that correct? Or is this number five? Let's uh, let's check. It is his fifth game. So something that has gone around in NFL circles before and just anecdotally seems to be a thing. Uh, a lot of young guys or new guys seem to have big four game runs before the league figures out what they can and can't do. Uh, having a game against the layup Jaguars, I think is going to help ease this transition for Herbert, but I would just keep an eye on it. If Herbert starts to look really bad and you can still get some value out of this offense might be a good time to do it as uh, the league possibly figures him out. Uh, I'm just really curious what y'all think about starting DJ Chark this game. And that is just for totally selfish reasons. I have Keelan Cole ahead of DJ Chark in my rankings this week. I trust Keelan Cole more than I trust DJ Chark to put a reliable. I think I have both of them just outside of wide receiver two. Yeah. Keelan Cole, wide receiver 29, DJ Chark, wide receiver 30. I was really encouraged by the the workload that he was given. You know, he was, as they say, uh, genuinely questionable to suit up and he got 14 friggin' targets last week. To me, that kind of reasserts that he is, in fact, the the top dog. Now, Keelan Cole has been producing wonderfully, but um, Chark is the number one guy here, and the Chargers defense is great uh, five months ago. Uh, that was before they were demolished by injury. Uh, so I, I, would, I would start uh, DJ Chark as a wide receiver, too. Let's continue. San Francisco 49ers head to New England to take on the Patriots. Jimmy G is coming back home to roost to take on Bill Belichick and another backfield, Nicholas, that you are enticed by or at least have thoughts on. Yeah, so there was a report from The Athletic that came out this week that uh, sort of indicated uh, Jerick McKinnon is just not really like looking uh, that great as of late. He... We, they were breaking down the different snap totals of the lead running backs in each game so far. And McKinnon's like 67 or whatever in, what was it, I guess, week four was way more than any other back has seen. Uh, that team really, really likes to platoon things. So the guy I'm interested in is, is uh, Jermichael Hasty. 
So Mostert is on injured reserve. Tevin Coleman is not coming back this week. Might be back next week. Jeff Wilson Jr. is battling a calf injury. So as of now, it's Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty. And Hasty last week got all of the fourth uh, quarter touches, I believe, uh, or at least the, the vast majority of them. You're saying it with such confidence that we believe you. Cool. Um, what I take from that is is they wanted to see what they had in the kid. And who's uh, going I guess confirming the eye test that McKinnon is looking a little tired. And that said, I still think that McKinnon will be the starter this week, but it could be much more of a 60 40 split than it was uh, that, that first week with McKinnon uh, or you know, the second week with McKinnon just taking like 90% or whatever of the, uh, the snaps and Jeff Wilson jr. Just riding the pine. I'm also, I'm looking at on the flip side in new England's side of things, I'm looking at my rankings and I'm realizing maybe I'm a little too down on Julian Edelman this week. That being said, I'm down on Julian Edelman this week. Uh, I, this, uh, the offense looked like it would, I mean, it looked like a team that hadn't practiced for two weeks uh, against the Broncos and Cam Newton looked pretty out of sync with his wide receivers. Now, obviously that will hopefully fingers crossed, correct itself uh, with a full week of practice and going up against the 49ers. But it is noteworthy that, like cam didn't look himself he he his, he wasn't a, he looked kind of nervous in the pocket he was sailing balls he wasn't accurate and hopefully that's just a practice thing hopefully that's not a any kind of lingering illness from covid thing uh you would hope that he is you know fully healthy and and nothing truly uh you know impacted but i i would be hesitant to rely on julian edelman to be anything more than like a wide receiver four or maybe three. Um, but I would not anticipate him to kind of be what we thought he was going to be, what he looked like to start the season with those two games, especially against the Seahawks. Edelman. I mean, I don't, I think his, his injuries are just catching up with him. And last week I was on my high horse about how he's back to the like wide receiver one slash two fringe. Nah, I think he's a flex option and it sucks. I think uh, Demir bird, his usage is so awesome. He's just not connecting. Yeah. But he's he is that downfield threat, and he is yeah. that guy. Like he has replaced Nikhil Harry as like their big play guy. When Cam needs a play, he kind of looks at his way. So he's not a bad guy to own, especially in dynasty deep leagues. Like roster, like have him on your squad and see what happens. Yeah. Ooh, not a flaming hot take, but it's a saucy take. The Patriots allowing eight point two points to tight ends. Are we worried about George Kittle? No, but maybe I would still start him. Because how <laughs> the hell are you going to not start him? Unless... I know you're not going to not you're not going to bench George Kittle, but but this could be it. This could be the game where George Kittle like does not do a whole lot for you in the box score. I mean, they they completely erased Darren Waller before, and uh, Belichick does have a tendency to remove the number one offense or option in a team's offense. So this this might be the worst George Kittle that we're going to get. And I am a George Kittle manager, so I'd love for him to be great. But uh, as a Patriots fan, would love for George Kittle to disappear. I just it's a, It will be curious to me to see if Bill Belichick can make Jimmy Garoppolo beat him, which then the Patriots will win handily, or if uh, Shanahan is good enough to, while the opposing coach is trying to make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you, still rushes for 250 yards against you. Yeah. I'd be a little bit more worried about Kittle if he was like the sole true number one option for San Francisco, but having Debo back and like Brandon Ayuk tends to do at least one or two good things each week. So that, I mean, if you want to get a little bit more optimistic about Kittle, that's how. (laughs) Also fire up Debo Samuel this week. I know you, you're like, oh, but Stefan Gilmore's there. Stefan Gilmore's amazing. But there was a phenomenal stat that went around in last week's game, which was Debo Samuel had like 75 yards receiving, but all of his passes were behind the line of scrimmage, which is truly incredible. Uh, so, but because of how the 49ers use him, he's like, if they keep using him that way, then it doesn't matter how good Stefan Gilmore covers Debo Samuel. If Debo Samuel is just getting screen passes and is able to, you know, gain yards after the catch for those. So I would still confidently fire up Debo Samuel this week. Pew, pew. Let's move on. Kansas city chiefs head to Denver to take on the Broncos. And uh, Jordan, is there anyone in this game that you are particularly vibing with? I really like Pat Mahomes as a player. He's pretty good. Um, Never heard that one before. 
No, I think what you saw last week after uh, there's a little bit of concern with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think, in terms of um, fantasy points and where he was going to get those in the end zone or get points out of scoring touchdowns, I should say. Um, but I think those concerns can probably be alleviated a little bit, even with the addition of Le'Veon Bell. Um, I don't think Le'Veon Bell moves the needle that much for what the uh, Chiefs want to do on offense, considering they had guys like LaShawn McCoy last year to kind of do some of the same things that I expect Le'Veon Bell to do. Um, Travis Kelsey obviously is going to just keep on delivering. I don't know if I like anybody on the Broncos other than Jerry Judy. Uh, Melvin Gordon is practicing again. The story here is Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Fuller. Bell had to sit out for five days for the NFL's COVID rules, and that's just going to be super interesting. We'll also see if uh, Melvin Gordon's strep throat is any better. Philip Lindsay, God, you just forget. He looks so awesome. He runs so hard. He is just so much fun to watch. He's just a little guy, so you feel like you're only going to get 12 or 13 games out of him. But if I'm the Broncos, I'm just going to let it rip with him. And, yeah, Edwards Hilaire has, has always looked good. I just, as a heavily invested Edwards Hilaire guy, Bell, oh, boy. Oh, that's scary. I like Noah Fan's prospects in this game again, too. Um, I think he's been dealing with some stuff, but now he should be back. So, Pete, you got me all hot and bothered about uh, Mr. Tim Patrick after the spicy talk on, on Monday night. Let's show the guy some love. Uh, yeah. So, Jerry Judy operating mostly out of the slot, and that's great for him. He gets some good matchups. But it looks to me like Tim Patrick is actually the top dog in this passing game. No fan being out could, you know, uh, change uh, the, the, the makeup of the offense a little bit. Uh, K.J. Hamler, eh, yeah, maybe. But – what Patrick's done is really impressive. So he, for, through the first uh, three weeks of the season, only had a total of 14 targets. Last two weeks, he's had 15. Uh, he showed very well in in that third one and the the to start the the stretch run there. They they're buying in in week five, but he scored in two of the last three, cleared 100 yards in two of the last three. Um, Overall, he is the target leader for this team, and that's with not having a prominent role through the first two weeks of the season. Uh, just taking a peek at his his uh, team share of the air yards, 26.24. I mean, yeah, the dude's like – he's the team's X receiver with Cortland Sutton on – you know, out, out for the year. Yep. And uh, Kansas City, they play decent – uh, past defense but there's going to be a lot of opportunities and with drew lock kind of taking on the Jameis winston just chucking balls uh mantra i if i'm in need of a receiver or in need of a flex option i'm getting tim patrick in there yeah i totally agree uh and i want to bring it full circle and wrap back to some uh clyde edwards layer talk because i would be a little nervous about him this week not only because it's the first time we're going to see the chiefs backfield with Le'Veon bell presumably having some sort of role in there uh, and what that could mean. This Broncos defense has also been really good against the running backs so far this season. They've only allowed a rushing touchdown uh, so far this year. And we know that is an area where Clyde Edwards Hilaire struggles to begin with, um, with scoring. And so this could be another situation where maybe Edwards Hilaire gets, you know, 80 to maybe even a hundred yards rushing, but doesn't get that touchdown. And that touchdown could likely goes to, you know, Travis Kelsey, or maybe we see Le'Veon Bell sneak it in uh, for some play, but I would not be against like tep- tempering expectations for Clyde Woods Hilaire this week. I know Nick, you have him as white, uh, running back nine, which is, I mean, it's not low, low, but it is lower than normally where kind of people feel like he is ranked. Yeah. Uh, he's going to continue to, I, I think he'll continue to drop as Le'Veon Bell has more time to absorb the playbook. I do think his pass catching ability is going to infringe upon Clyde's workload and, you know, last week, uh, CEH did have the the touchdown. It, it was called back. It was like a 10-yarder or something like that. But Bell, he's a big-bodied guy. And one of the things about Clyde that was a knock on him was that he he doesn't have elite speed. And I just kind of wonder if, like, his, his inability to really explode like a lot of running backs can and also being undersized or, you know, however you want to phrase it, not 225 pounds like Bell is, I think Bell could actually take on, like, a – 12 touch workload a lot of passing game usage and also kind of be their primary goal line back so yeah I'm I, now that said 
I think Clyde's going to get 18 touches a week. So I'm not right. worried. Like he, I just, you know, I, I don't think that'll be a top five candidate that often as the season progresses. All right. We got two games left to talk about Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. Um, and this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is I mean, we saw it just completely stymie the the Green Bay Packers last week. And so for me personally, I am, if I can, staying away from anyone on the Raiders. Even Josh Jacobs, I am not wanting to. I don't think that Josh Jacobs is going to put forward a running back one, maybe even a running back two performance this week, just because of the fact that uh, that this this Bucks defense has been shutting teams down uh, with ease. And on the flip side, I'm firing up my Ronald Jones yet again because the, the Raiders, on the flip side, have been uh, giving up the second most fantasy points. So Josh, uh, not Josh Jacobs, Ronald Jones gets to play the Packers, who've given up the most points, and now gets to play the Raiders. So I'm expecting, let's let's see if Ronald Jones can go for four games back to back with 100 plus rushing yards. Yeah, Jones. I mean, I, he he's such a Fournette dependent player, so we have to continue to monitor Leonard Fournette's ability uh, or or uh, availability. Sorry, um, if if he's not a go, or if it's going to be limited again, like. he was only supposed to be kind of used on like a single digit touch count last week and then wasn't able to go. So Jones may have another just tee off uh, weekend. I initially had him, I think in the top 12 and I believe I dropped him. Yeah. He's number 13. I just like with, with the, the potential for Fournette to return, I didn't want to place him in the the top 12, but I think he is the overall running back 12 in, in a half point PPR scoring. As far as Josh Jacobs go, you know, I hate on him all the time. He's never scored a touchdown in a Raiders loss. I think that they're going to lose. That said, he's still going to get a high volume of carries. And I think that he'll, he'll stay in as a decent running back too, but a ceiling game. No, not this week. I like um, Henry Ruggs this week. Um, I, I feel Ooh. like just with him being back, it's kind of unlocked a little bit of something for the Raiders. We saw it earlier in the season. And when Henry Ruggs was out, we saw the offense kind of, uh, stall and revert back to the let's just feed Darren Waller every single pass we can um with that said though it could end up being three catches that go for 120 yards or it could be you know two catches that go for like 14 so it's very high variance in that regard all right, and the final game of the week, the Chicago Bears head to the Rams to take on L.A. And Clark, what is this Rams backfield? So it looks like Henderson is the man. I have been waiting for Cam Akers to take the reins, and that just simply hasn't happened. Uh, Malcolm Brown gets in there frustratingly. I think Akers had uh, one touch last week. So I think that McVay is putting the back who's doing the best in there, and as frustrating it is, for folks who wanted to be somewhere else, Daryl Henderson's really turned it up. Uh, muted expectations for everyone in this one against the Rams. I would just like to call out that Jimmy Graham's playing pretty solid ball now that Nick Folk has become the quarterback. Yeah, he has. And I, I like the tempered expectations because Allen Robinson is going to get the Jalen Ramsey treatment. That'll be a fun battle to watch. Uh, but also, I, in my opinion, puts a cap on what uh, Robinson's ceiling will be. And for the flip side, too, I also think that there's a cap on both Cooper Cup and Ronald uh, Robert Woods as the Bears secondary has also been really strong this year. Yeah, kind of some some coach bullshit last week when Sean McVay was saying that Cam Akers, now that he was back, he's going to be integrated a little bit more into the offense. And yeah, that the one touch it could have been just one of those situations where the way the game was going for them that they just had to go with Henderson and uh, hope for the best. But yeah, the Bears have been playing pretty well on defense at least so uh, i kind of want to stay away from the rams backfield until further notice all right well there you go there's all the information you possibly could need for week seven uh to win your matchups and if you lose your matchups it's because you didn't listen to this podcast twice you always have to listen to the podcast twice people not just because we want to boost our download numbers but also because that's how you get the most information you know this is this is common this is how people do it 
Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams Podcast channel so you never miss an episode. Uh, wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, that is how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at PM Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27 and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Best of luck to everyone in their matchups this week. Until then.